0: Who wants to hear the Word of God? Mmm, okay. It's It's amazing to think that the book of John has 21 chapters, and the last 10 are about the last week of Jesus' life and the days after. I'm going to say that one more time. John's Gospel has 21 chapters and the last ten of them are about the last week of Jesus' life and the days immediately following. Our passage this morning takes place just prior to the Passover meal, and we're in chapter 13. Each and every chapter, each and every verse is jam-packed with so much theology, so much precious teaching, that we would dare not skip a verse. Because God says that it's written for all of us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Which means that we come to this text every single week because it's God-breathed and our souls need it. So please, if you will, turn your Bibles like needy people to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. And then once you're there, stand up. And the Holy Spirit through John says... Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes this morning. When it says that you took the form of a servant. That Jesus took the form of a servant. Father, show us what that means in this text, in John chapter 13. Father, show us the beauty of justification. Show us the beauty of being clothed with righteousness as sinners. Father, teach us this morning what it means to wash feet. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. You can be seated. In 1755, just after the Great Awakening, there was a revival that occurred amongst some Baptist churches in the South in a place called Sandy Creek, North Carolina. Under the leadership of a guy named Schubel Stern, Sandy Creek experienced exponential growth, and Sandy Creek Baptist Association actually sent out scores of missionaries, and many scholars believe that today that baptist revivalism as we know it today really started in sandy creek what also made sandy creek very distinctive is their belief that along with believers baptism and along with the lord's supper that they were also called to observe foot washing once a month or once a quarter they got together and they washed each other's feet and their reasoning was pretty clear. They believed that John chapter 13 was such an important event in Jesus' ministry, it was something that He commanded His disciples to do, and thus it was something that the church should practice regularly. So starting today at Haynes Creek, we're going to start washing each other. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the reason I tell that story is the fact that Sandy Creek did get one thing right. This passage in John chapter 13 is very important and so many Christians take it lightly. This passage is not for super-Christians. This passage is for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. This morning I'd like to summarize this passage in this way. I don't know if my boy Chris, if you got it or not. There it is. Wow, we're doing well with the slides. All right. By washing their feet, Jesus is calling His disciples to be subservient to others. And most importantly, He is illustrating for them what He is about to do on the cross in cleansing the guilt of their sins with His own blood. I'm going to repeat that. This is the point of the passage. By washing their feet, Jesus is calling His disciples to be subservient to others. And most importantly, He is illustrating for them what He is about to do on the cross in cleansing the guilt of their sins with His own blood. The reason I chose the word subservient is because Jesus isn't simply teaching His disciples to be kind. He's not just teaching His disciples to be nice. He's not just teaching His disciples to be generous. He's he's teaching His disciples to be subordinate to other people. And there's something about washing feet that is really humiliating. And in first century Palestine, when people wear sandals and they walk on dirt roads, you better believe those feet that Jesus is washing are disgusting. And this is nothing short of servitude. This is what slaves do. Not what kings do. This isn't what royalty does. This is what servants do. And yet in verse 5 it says this, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel. That was wrapped around him. This is so shocking, so startling, so out of the ordinary that look what Peter does. Look at Peter's reaction in verses 6 through 8. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And then at verse 8, this is what Peter says. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If you read the NIV or you read the NASB, it says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And so the theme of cleansing is prevalent here in chapter 13. Jesus is cleansing their feet. In our next passage next week, we're going to see that He actually cleanses the disciples and, and sends out Judas. But the cleansing He's talking here isn't just physical cleansing. He's talking about spiritual cleansing. The Greek word for share or part is meros. And in the New Testament, it's almost always referring to inheritance. So what Jesus is really saying here is, if I don't wash you, you have no reward. In fact, I would go so far this morning as to say that Jesus' washing of them is the reward. It is the inheritance. I think oftentimes pastors can preach this text, and we spend so much time... Pointing to Jesus as the example and telling other people, telling our people to go and wash people's feet, that sometimes we forget what this is ultimately about, which is Jesus is washing their feet in order to show them what he's about to do with their souls. He's going to remove their guilt with his own blood, he's going to take away the sins of the world, he's going to wipe away their iniquities. This is something that David pointed to long ago. Matter of fact, Danforth read it this morning. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51 verse 2. Psalm 51 verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I think it's safe to say that a Christian may not have a clean home. A Christian may not have clean clothes. They may not even have a very clean life. But a Christian is someone who is clean before God. I want to teach you all a word this morning. It's not like compatibilism. I don't know if y'all are going to remember that one or make fun of me in the future. But this is one you actually should know and if you don't, put it in the bank. Justification. This one's actually in the Bible. So you should know it. Justification is how we're washed. Justification is this. I would define it like this. God's legally declaring sinners to be righteous through His obedient Son's substitution for sinners on the cross. Now, stop there. As I just read that, I'm just thinking before I go on. I want to read that again, because that is the essence of the gospel. If you don't understand any of it, take your phone out and go, this is important. Justification is God's legally declaring sinners to be righteous through His obedient Son's substitution for sinners on the cross. So God washes us clean in Christ. By the blood of Christ, not by actually making us righteous from within, but first before anything, declaring us righteous even though we're not. John Stott explained it like this. When God justifies sinners, He's not declaring bad people to be good or saying that they're not sinners at all. He's pronouncing them legally righteous, free from any liability to the broken law, because He Himself in His Son has borne the penalty of our law breaking. I kind of compare this sometimes to the O.J. Simpson verdict. Um, depending on who you were, you either thought he was innocent or guilty. But let's assume he was guilty like I think most of America thought he was. Whether he was or wasn't, the judge declared him what? Innocent. And when you step before the judge at judgment day, you're going to have more guilt on you than OJ did ever. And he's going to say, "Are you covered in the blood? Do you believe in the gospel?" No, he's not he's going to say, "Why should I let you in?" And you shouldn't have an answer that starts with me. Your answer should be faith in Jesus. And that is the only way the judge says you're declared innocent. So when Jesus says, let me clean you, what He's really saying is, let me make you right before God. What He's really saying is, let me take away the stain of your sin and give you my perfect record. When Jesus says, let me clean you, what He says is, let me impute to you my righteousness and then I'll take your filth. Martin Luther called this the great exchange. We get washed and declared righteous and Jesus takes our filth. And that is ours by faith and we call that the gospel. The bloody, nail-pierced Jesus on the cross is what it took to make you clean, y'all. Nothing less. If Peter can't stand looking at Jesus washing his feet, what in the world is Jesus going to do looking up at Calvary? This week I kind of felt like Peter. It was Pastor Appreciation Week. I was late. That's, you never want to get a text from Cody McNutt going, where are you? I was like... Where am I? And then I went, oh my gosh, it's Pastor Appreciation Week. So I walked in late to about 100 people wanting to appreciate me, which is ironic. And then they, the, the people downtown, they gave me gift cards and wrote me cards. I don't like that. I don't like it. Are you, raise your hand if you're like that. You don't, you don't want to be the center of attention. You don't like people doing extravagant things for you. Raise your hand. That's me. And my flesh doesn't... I just don't like being the center of so much affection and grace and kindness. I, I just... And I imagine that's kind of what Peter was doing here. He said, Jesus, what? You're, you're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the Alpha and Omega. And you're going to wash my feet. But this is the grace of the Gospel, friends. If we can't receive acts of kindness and generosity from other sinners, how in the world are you going to receive it from Jesus Christ? Pride isn't just an ego problem. Pride is a God problem. Pride hates the idea of being needy and incompetent and insufficient. And faith, if you really boil it down, is coming to Jesus like a a beggar and saying, Can you clean me? Because I'm dirty. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about race. Happy are they who know that discipleship simply means the life which springs from grace. And that grace simply means discipleship. So a disciple isn't just someone going around doing good things and saying they're a Christian. Discipleship starts with grace and receiving grace before you have any business dishing it out. What Jesus is teaching Peter is that to be a disciple is to be someone who receives grace. That means as a father, my children will submit to my authority in my house. But before they do that, they also need to know daddy's a sinner and daddy needs grace. That means as a husband, my wife is called to submit to my authority in the headship in the home. But you better believe, Kelly needs to see that I'm the chief of sinners. And then I need someone else's grace. As pastor, I am the under-shepherd of this little flock. That may not sound very impressive to you. It's the highest calling of my life. But I would, I would, I would, I would submit to you that before you know anything about me, you know that I am a wretched person. And that I need grace just like you. If we can start on that foot then you'll understand my job as pastor. It's extremely saddening to talk with people nowadays. Good people who do a lot of good things for a lot of people, yet they're incapable of having deep conversations about the gospel. Please don't be that person. Don't be that person who can't spend two minutes talking about the cross. Don't be that Christian who doesn't know how to talk about the deep things of God. Don't be that Christian who's more comfortable doing things for people than talking about the greatest news there, there ever was. A Christian should be someone who delights to talk about Jesus. If that makes you uncomfortable, if you can't talk about God's adoption of sinners in Christ, if you can't talk about justification, if you can't talk about sanctification, if you can't talk about God ripping you from darkness, if you can't talk about something about the gospel... Peter is going to be the rock upon which Jesus builds his church. He must first become a sinner who can have his feet and his soul washed. Once Peter understands that, look at verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. He gets it. For the most part. And then look what he says in verses 12 through 15. When he'd washed their feet and put on... His outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, "Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So we have to wash people's feet, Haynes Creek. We can't be this church out in the middle of North Newton County and be like, oh, what's that church? Oh, it's another church they planted. I don't really know what they do. No, we want to be that foot washing church. I don't know, but they just love washing some feet. Feeding people and serving people. Their building's horrible, but they're good people, though. If Jesus, our Lord and King and Sovereign, if He washed our feet, if He could wash the feet of the disciples and become a slave, we have no excuse to withhold love and service to our community. So here's my question this morning. How do we wash feet? We could get, we could get here and expound and I could exegetically dissect John 13. People go, hmm, yeah, that's right. Wash that feet. That's right. All right, where are we going to eat? How are you going to wash somebody's feet? I don't think he's literally saying you've got to wash people's feet. You could do that. It's kind of weird. I had a pastor in Biloxi, Mississippi try to wash my feet one time. It got really weird. We're not Facebook friends anymore. So um, he's, he's a good guy. He's just weird. Um, let me tell you what Jesus is not talking about here. Okay? Let me tell you what it's... Let me tell you what... Before we can really establish what it is to wash someone's feet, let's establish first what it doesn't mean. Y'all ever been to the checkout aisle and, and the check and the cashier's like, beep, 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 give $2 to orphans? Sure, why not? All right, beep, beep. You walk out and you're like, bought groceries, help the orphans. Check. That is not washing feet. Give to the orphans, Please. But don't give to the orphans and then think that you can breeze through this life dishing out money to people, bits and pieces, meanwhile never actually serving someone. Giving your money two bits at a time at the checkout aisle is not washing people's feet, y'all. To wash someone's feet requires you to actually meet someone, get to know them, invest in them, and to serve them in a way that subordinates you to them. Number two, if you go into Atlanta, you get the stoplight. There's people who come up to your car. Give money to them, or don't give money to them, but don't give money to them. And then Jesus didn't ride in and go, hey guys, there's a good foot washer down the street. This one's on me. Go get your feet washed. No. He got on his knees. Point is not to discourage these little acts of kindness. Let's do that too. But don't let that become the justification for you becoming the resident foot washer in Covington. No, 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 no. There are so many ways for us to get on our knees and to love people. Kindness requires you to smile. But grace has to cost you something. That's Jesus' message here. I'm washing you. I'm cleaning your feet. And I'm going to go to the cross to cleanse your soul. What will you give up from your life? Verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Think about how ironic it is that we're going to worship the Lamb in heaven, Ain't no prideful person going to be getting into heaven worshiping a lamb. And the reason is because in heaven, God's love and humility in Christ, that is what reigns in heaven. And that is why we say, on earth, as it is in heaven. We're like little lambs, serving people, putting people above ourselves, to steal uh, Paul's words in Philippians 2. Counting others more significant than ourselves. In other words, we, how dare we ever withhold foot washing from people when we're the people saying, Hey, Jesus died on the cross and cleansed me. I'll admit to you, I'm going to go ahead and admit this morning, Kelly and I, this is a battle for us because I'm going to tell you, I think it's a battle for anyone who has a job, much less has kids, and it is such a temptation, at least for my wife and I, because we both have jobs, we're raising twins, we're a part of a church, and we it's so easy to stay in our lane. Run the rat race. And we don't have much time afterwards. And I think sometimes we can fall into the the, the trap and the lie, which is that we think that somehow suddenly we're going to finish the race and we're going to think that God is going to... Um, reward us simply because we were good parents. Simply because I did my job well. He will. But you don't just wash feet just doing what other people do. You've got to get out of your lane. And I'm talking to you as somebody's working on that. <laughs> my whole schedule, most weeks, do this, do this, do this. I'm tired sometimes. But foot washing is something... Most people don't do because a lot of people, most people don't have time to do it. Much less the will. Kelly and I have to constantly remind ourselves that staying busy does not mean we're washing feet. Satan wants your minds filled and he wants that schedule busy. Satan wants the American dream to drown out John 13. So that as we're so busy, when somebody goes, hey, give two bucks to the orphans. Just wash my feet this week. No, 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 no. no. Go out and make a friend. Go out and say hello. Go out and be kind. Go out and do something for someone and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a brief outline of our church in the next month. In the next month, Haynes Creek, at Haynes Creek, you can come to Sunday morning and worship and hear God's Word preached, worship with the saints. You can go to one of four different small groups to expound God's Word, to sharpen one another and grow in Christian community. In two weeks, we're going to serve our local fire department. Chris, what are we doing? Are we doing uh, pork shoulder? And then in three weeks, we're feeding the teachers at Flint Hill. And the reason we're doing those things, the first two, is so that we can grow in the knowledge of being washed by the Lamb. And the reason we're doing the other two is so that we can wash other people's feet having been washed by the Lamb. Do you see how that works? Discipleship is about being washed in the precious blood of Jesus, and we are a people who wash feet in the name of the precious blood of Jesus. This is discipleship, growing in the knowledge of the gospel and going to make disciples in the gospel. And it's all by God's grace. You struggle with one. I know you have to. You either struggle to meditate and to savor the gospel which says you're clean by the blood of Jesus, or you're someone who has that down, but you really struggle in washing people's feet. Which is it? This morning I want to challenge you what if Jesus came in there, washed their feet, and then Peter was like, yes, my feet, my feet, my head, my body, yes. Uh, but, but but about the uh, washing feet thing? Really busy. I feel like that's how people treat their faith. They love being washed. They love watching and reading the disciples being washed. But we really find it hard to actually wash people's feet. Is that you? Because I'm telling you, it struggles with me too. This morning, we need to remember two things. When Peter finally understood what real washing was, what did he say? Wash my whole body! Come on! And then number two, when he finally understood what real washing was, he was willing not only to start washing feet, but to die for the man washing his feet. The gospel, hear me friends, The gospel is about washing dirty people with a spotless lamb's blood. The gospel is about washing dirty people, wretched people, with a spotless lamb's blood. And that gospel changes people. Has it changed you? Because it will take nothing for you to go home and do the exact same thing you did last week and do it again which it may be a good thing. Or maybe there's some self-examination. I need to come back to the lamb who's washing me and go, wow, I don't think I'm washing people. If it hasn't, I invite you to come, believe in the work of Jesus Christ and be washed of your sins. And the reason I tell you those things at our church is this church is not just... We don't put these things up every morning, every Sunday morning and go, hey, come and do churchy things like we're supposed to do. What we're really saying is Come and wash feet with us. You don't have to do it with us, but for some of you, for most of you, I assume you're like Kelly and I, you're really busy. We're giving you chances to live for something other than yourself. Come do that with us. If you're not, come first to the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, The foolishness of the gospel is a humbling thing. Father, you have called us to revel as feet-washing people. Father, I ask that you make Jesus supreme in the hearts of our church. I pray that you kindle a burning fire that wants and seeks to please Jesus above anything else. Father, I pray that the gospel would take root, that word, that life-giving word would take root in our hearts so that we can be a transformed people who who seek to make others more significant than ourselves. Father, let us be a a feet-washing people, but let us first be a washed people. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen.